on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jan Price Show, and today my guest is Matt Hinton. And Matt wrote, directed, produced edited and did the cinematography for his brand new documentary called Parallel Love. Welcome to the show, Matt. You are a one-man production company. <laughs> well, you know, when there's not all the money in the world laying around, you got to do more than one thing. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you wore many hats on this movie. Yeah. Really, um, and, and you're in the movie. Let's say, also say that too. You are in this mm, movie. Sure. So this movie, let's tell the audience what this movie is about, and we'll get into some more detail about it. Uh, so it's uh, Parallel Love, the story of a band called Luxury. Uh, as one might guess, it's about a band called Luxury that formed in Georgia uh, in the 90s. And uh, there are a number of twists and turns along the way in the story, but some salient details include a, a catastrophic wreck uh, that uh, occurred uh, on tour in the mid-90s that happened right after the about a month after the first album was released and uh, uh, eventually three of the guys in the band became Eastern Orthodox priests uh, which is unexpected and uh, so yeah but it's like I say any number of twists and turns along the way well it's that's why the title Parallel Love uh, because it's about love in so many different ways actually uh this movie is so matt how did you get involved in this project yeah so well i I mean i suppose i may as well say that i joined the band in 99 so uh the band luxury so um uh we'd made uh I guess a couple of records uh, when I after I joined the band, and then um, uh, relatively recently, a few, three or four years ago now, we decided that we would reconvene uh, to make another record. But this time, three of the guys had become priests, and we had never made a record with you know with priests in the band before. And I thought, well, that seems interesting. And I had made a film before, and so I kind of knew how to, to make a documentary. And um, so I said, well. Let me, let me. I'm gonna get a guy to come and and uh, and maybe document like the recording session, and I'll see what we've got because it just seemed kind of too interesting to pass up uh, just as a story. So, uh, so that was the the beginning of the sort of intent of it. I, now I had had piles and piles of footage that I had shot over years because I was familiar with the band well before I was in the band and we had toured together my, the band that I had been in prior to this had uh, we had toured together and so forth and uh, uh, so I had a lot of footage and and so forth and I said well I think I have you know the material that I need to at least start the thing so that's that's what I did and the documentaries take a long time so I was going to uh, ask you how long did it take you to put this documentary together I don't know like I haven't worked it out but some I mean, over two years just to edit the thing. Oh, that's so, not bad, actually, though. That really isn't, because yeah. you hear it, it takes, <laughs> like, forever, like 10 years or more sometimes. I, I've, okay, heard, those, yeah, I've well, heard those stories. So. Yeah, so I guess I was motivated. You I were. mean, you know, like, there's one way of looking at it. First footage I shot for it was in the mid '90s. So one way of looking at it is that it was you know 20 plus years. But uh, but no, yeah, I mean two or three years, I would say somewhere between two and three years. So you started filming 
early on when this band started? First of all, it had a different name originally. Uh-huh. So that, what, do you want to say what that name was? Yeah, sure. That band, I mean, the name was The Shroud, which sort of looking back kind of feels like a goth, like a goth rock type of thing, but that's not what it was. And um, yeah, I had, I had shot, and to say film is putting it a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, makes it sound like I was up to something. I really wasn't. It was, it was. <laughs> Strictly that I, you know, had a borrowed, it, you know, Digi 8 uh, uh, camcorder or something like that. And just would sort of, you know, for posterity would shoot, you know, rock and roll shows every so often. Not because I was, you know, like I say, I wasn't up to anything. I just, there's always that kid that's got the camera and I guess that was me. Well, it turned out to be fortuitous, to say the least. Indeed. It yep. really did. So... Tell us a little bit about how this um, band evolved. How you know it, it had some really interesting roots, and how it evolved from the shroud to luxury, um, but also um, the type of music that they play. Can you talk? Let's talk, get into that. Both of those. Yeah. There's two questions yeah. there. Yeah. So the, the band. The, so the band and. Uh, and I'll, if I don't answer your questions, uh, uh, or if I don't answer both of them, then then you can get on to me and and <laughs> and tell me what I didn't answer, okay. just in case I'm not an- understanding right. So the uh, the band, like original members of the band uh, that did not include me, uh, met at a Christian college in Georgia, of all places, and for various reasons they were there, like either because you know. Two of the guys, they were brothers, and their dad went to school there, and it just sort of, for whatever reason, sort of seemed like a natural place for them to be. But once they showed up, there was this very sort of conservative Christian environment that didn't really, um, culturally in any event, did not fit sort of who they were particularly well. So what you had was, on this small campus, you had one kid that was uh, really, really into like the Smiths, uh, the sort of indie rock band from the 80s. And another guy that was really into uh, into Kiss and Led Zeppelin and, you know, ACDC and, and stuff like that, which on any normal planet, those two guys are not in a band together. <laughs> right. But that's the singer and the drummer. And then you've got a guy who's into into straight ahead like hardcore and punk rock uh, type stuff who again is not going to be in a band with either of those first two guys and then finally you've got a guy who's more into sort of I guess U2 and maybe Echo and the Bunnymen and those kinds of you know again 80s alternative type things Um, and so those four guys together who really don't belong in a band together um, the question is what like so I mean part of it is that they were really the peculiar they were the you know the music geeks that uh, didn't really have anything in common with other people on campus and and when you're in that sort of environment like a very small um, kind of narrow type of environment you, you know people who like well you know i guess this is all we got like it's just the four of us and uh and so that that's what you know what emerged and like on one hand you would say well these these guys don't belong in a band together at all a how is it going to work and b if it does work what is that going to sound like and the answer turns out to be luxury that's exactly what it sounds like it's very like the drums are very bombastic and crazy and heavy and the you know the bass is super heavy and and sort of punkish uh but then the vocals are are very melodic and and um 
Smith's ish, uh, I guess, but um, uh, but just um, you'd almost have to say that's a, a more feminine side to the to the band, where the rest of it's very aggressive. Uh, the vocals and melodies and stuff tend to to have a, a somewhat lighter touch. So. So yeah, so the, the beginning of the band was a very heavy band, but still with a melodic sensibility. Uh, and then over time, there was a maturity that took place, which hopefully doesn't equal, you know, becoming boring or anything like that. But just, um, I think, a, a greater sense of who the band is and what they're supposed to be doing, and I guess now what we're supposed to be doing. And... Um, so, actually, in conjunction with the release of this film, well, not in conjunction, but fortuitously timed, the the uh, uh, most recent luxury record, which is called Trophies, is about to be released um, uh, at more or less the same time that the film is being released. So, um, uh, and that record uh, uh, is being well received critically. Uh, so, um, which I'm happy about and it it uh yeah so things are moving forward so that's the that's the record that was documented at the at the uh you know as we were making the film or starting to make the film so so yeah very exciting very exciting but in the beginning um you you the group went signed with a went to signed with a christian label is that correct and yeah and then but then but the music they played was anything was considered christian music at the time right not at all so no I, what i would say is that the best way to i mean even sounds but like on one hand yes it's true that they signed with that label on the other hand they were maybe they were one of the first sort of five or ten bands that signed with that label, and that label didn't have a clarified identity at that point. You might say mm-hmm. so. They were kind of they had a foot in that Christian sort of Christian rock world, which at the time. So this is in the early to mid nineties, and Christian rock kind of at that point sort of meant what most people think when they think of Christian rock, which is uh, neither Christian nor rock, maybe. Like, it's, <laughs> it's um, uh, it, 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 no one hears those words and says, ooh, i got to check this out. So, or not many people do. So, I think that, um, that, that this label, what they were trying to do was to create a label where they were sort of drawing from that community where there were in fairness there were a handful of actually really interesting bands doing creative things that weren't necessarily you know sort of preaching from the stage or anything like that but just happened to have that identity and um so they were trying to do something you know interesting but still sell it to the general market that is the so-called secular, you know, rock world. And um, so at the time, that was very much the, it's, you know, they made the offer. And as someone in the, in the film says, you know, when your kid's in a band and somebody, anybody makes you, uh, you know, an offer of a record deal, you're going to be really interested and it's hard to say no. And, and you know, the band had been around for a little while and somebody was making them an offer. And so, you know, maybe they believed what they wanted to believe, which was that 
that yes, these guys may be coming from the kind of Christian rock world in a way, but really what they're trying to do is is do something that at the very least spanned those those two different kind of music worlds um, uh, but certainly was sort of selling to the general market, which in fairness it did I mean it was the records were available some in you know in larger like your you know best buys and that kind of thing but uh in any event what the result of it was even though they were signing to a label that that they did not necessarily understand to be a a christian label with a capital c that's very much the reputation that the label had and therefore the reputation that the band had which was unfortunate because you know for starters the music whatever this even means the music was not christian rock at all um neither musically and again what could what could that mean but but certainly not lyrically uh if anything it had it was sort of pushing against a number of the norms or at least was seemed to be sort of in tension with the, with uh um well it was definitely not the kind of thing that you would expect to find in a christian you know bookstore music store or whatever uh and and led to um to a, a lot of people returning the records and that kind of thing because it really was just not i mean the first song on the first album was about a um uh a trans person which is not what you were hearing in right. 1995 anywhere right. really right that was not right. i mean that wasn't you know not just in the christian world but anywhere that was not really something that people were talking about yeah it's very fascinating if you were just tuning in you're listening to the jam price show all about movies and my guest today is matt Hinton, who wrote, directed, and produced uh, his brand new documentary entitled Parallel Love. Yes, it was real interesting. Lee Bozeman, who is the lead singer of the group, um, was uh, sort of really pushing the limits. Uh, did he? Does he write the songs? Who, who writes the songs with the group? It, yeah, I mean, he's, he certainly writes the lyrics and uh, and. Uh, depends on the album and so forth that you know different people bringing in different ideas or or what have you but he's he, you would have to call him the principal songwriter I guess okay because he even in his performance because um, he is fascinating to watch and everybody that's what everybody talks about why they yeah. you know came because it is the music itself it's it's you know it's interesting he has this really lovely um, very sensual voice and then uh-huh. you've got all these other aspects of of, you know, really kind of hitting it, like you said, hard rock, punk rock. It's kind of a real interesting, eclectic sound that's very unique. But he came across rather androgynous, uh, I, I think, and that's kind uh-huh. of the intention there, because he was very thin and uh, very handsome uh, man. It was So was that the intention to, like, stir things up, or did that just sort of evolve and become that? Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, that a lot of his influences, it's not androgynous in the way that, it's not like he was wearing dresses or anything. No, 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 I don't mean it that way. Though he did, actually, he did on one occasion, now that I think of it, but... 
but that wasn't his main thing. I mean, he was okay. like you know mainly wearing like you know vintage suits from the you know fifties and sixties uh, was sort of more of his look. But yes, there was an elegance you'd have to say mm-hmm. to the way that he. So I think that part of that um, from the start was just who his like main influences were who were people like Morrissey and uh and David Bowie and that kind of thing um oh, I, get and so that, I think that's yeah. pro- I think that's probably where it started but then also I think that you know you see the reaction that you're getting and um and both for good and for ill like it's you know not everybody was pumped about that so um and but I think he really leaned into that pretty hard uh uh and sort of got a kick out of the, of that reaction that he was getting, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's another sense. I mean, he's very like very um, charismatic and and yes. and provocative yes. on stage, um, which is not who he is at all as a person, neither then nor now. Not that he's not a charismatic human being, but 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 he's not. He's a uh, you'd have to say more understated and I don't know if shy is the word, but he's not. He doesn't put himself out there in the same kind of way. No. So, which I think, I mean, I think it's probably true of a lot of performers. But so yes. I think that it's like it's a, uh, a a role that he was playing more than anything. So I think because of that, he felt like he could kind of do anything. Well, I agree, and he really was pushing the envelope to do that. And then when you when you are interviewing him now in present day time, he's totally different <laughs> than the person that you saw on stage. And that is exactly what happens to performers. They're not on on when they're off the stage. They you know the right. lights come up and they you know the light bulb goes off and they're sure. a totally different person on stage than. And they good are. thing, who in the yeah. world would want to live with that? I know. Right? <laughs> what a nightmare. But by the way, so yes, a totally different person now. But at the same time, there's still like hints of it. There's you know the beginning of the film. He says, "I mean, what he's talking about now. He's a priest, right? right. So." For one thing, why would it, how could it be that that guy was one of the ones that became a priest? But so he becomes a priest, and he's ta- at the beginning of the film. He's talking about you know sometimes he wears this cassock, which is this you know this black robe that Orthodox priests wear. So sometimes he wears the uh, or rather sometimes he doesn't wear the cassock out in public because he doesn't want to be looked at. But then sometimes he does wear it because he does want to be looked at. Yes, and that's yes. a funny little thing and and so there are sort of uh glimpses i think of of who he always has been as a performer and so on even to this day the dichotomy between the two you know two selves coming out kind of interesting yeah, there. Sure. so sure. let's talk a bit about the life-changing uh car accident and how that had affected did you 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 knew them then correct you yeah yeah them? and i was i mean my band was touring with with them and so it was the you know we had we had guys in both bands in the van and then there was a, a vehicle that was following which was me and, and two of the other guys one one guy in the band that i had been at the time and then the the bass player of luxury were in the in the car following so the three of us you know had a front row seat as it were to actually watching the the wreck occur and pretty devastating the fact that anyone survived that wreck Mm. Yeah. So how did that? I mean, and it was right after their the release of their first album, and uh-huh. they were on a trajectory of you know really um, building a name from themselves and an audience, uh-huh. and 
uh, really on the precipice of, you know, stardom, it sounded like, and then this tragedy happened. So how did that affect each one of them? I mean, here they, later on, three of them become priests. So do you believe the accident had uh, something to do with them becoming priests? Well, as a, as a story, to, as a filmmaker... Um, you know, it's, it's a great temptation, of course, to, right. to see that as being this event that um, that pushed them in that in that direction. Uh, but you know, I mean, who can say? Like, who can say what would have happened had that not occurred? Whether they would have become priests or not. Um, but I think that you'd have to say that that um, that that wreck um, caused each person who is affected by it which is sort of all of us really even those of us who weren't you know injured terribly um but it caused each of us i think to have a, a greater sense of our own mortality yes. and um you know that that either that we could have died then or there's no particular reason that you know that i won't die today exactly like, you know that is not promised to us so uh so i think that that sort of additional sort of yeah just caused you know a, a kind of greater seriousness and uh and uh trying to account for life and and um yeah yeah i mean you know i think that um uh yeah i mean what can you say right, i mean right. you, you don't know you don't know how things would have gone otherwise but i but i can only imagine that that it was transformative in a variety of ways. I'm sure it was, and, and it, I mean, it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah sure. They, literally, you know, they shouldn't have come out three, of that accident. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, three broken necks. Yeah. One, you know, Lee was, you know, what we had to, me and a couple of guys had to push the van off of, or lift the van off of Lee, who was, Amazing. who was stuck underneath it. So uh, half of his body was was you know out of the van and half was in with the the weight of it resting on his midsection. So he just broke everything. Like it was, it was rough. Yeah, I mean, just amazing that he was able to come out of that the way he you yeah. know, he did. So they came, they they all did recover, and then they went back into the studio and uh, and recorded again, or they went back uh-huh. on tour again. And then did they the, now they're rec- they just recorded the brand new album, you said Trophy. So how has yeah. the music changed? We only have like a minute left, uh, Matt. How has the music changed from bef- before this, you know, the accident and, until now? How has it changed? Yeah, I think that there's probably a greater variety, uh, and there and a, and a less of a priority on being super heavy. Like there are some, you know, there are some rockers for sure, but it's not um, it, it, it's not the same kind of emphasis on that. I mean, I think it's really just sort of when a song is written, then sort of taking the bare bones of the melody and stuff and doing what the song seems to dictate and so i think that on this record there's a lot of variety so Wonderful. so yeah it's called it's called trophies, trophies. and, and is is uh, uh to be really by the time anybody hears this it will be released and will be available on spotify and Apple and what have you. Wonderful. And the movie can be seen, is out now and um, will it's be in coming theaters. in theaters now. Yeah. And it will yeah. be coming to a streaming service in the future. So please look for Parallel Love. And we have been talking to uh, writer, director, and producer Matt Hinton and his new documentary, Parallel Love, about the band Luxury. Thank you so much for being on the show, Matt. It's been Thank a pleasure. you. You're welcome. Thanks. 
Go to The Jam Price Show on Facebook to learn more about coming upcoming shows. And while you're there, like my page. And to listen to The Jam Price Show Movie Minute reviews and to archive shows that you may have missed, go to thejampriceshow.com. And also look for The Jam Price Show All About Movies on iHeartRadio's podcast channel. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio, Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. The Yozio Theater in downtown Monterey is now open every day, showing independent and foreign films. The Yozio Theater has new concession offerings, including beer, wine, hard cider, and their homemade lush slush. You can now schedule private event screenings for community charity events, birthdays, anniversaries, or just a fun gathering of friends. For more information, visit the Ozio Theater online at oziotheater.com. 